Hi, welcome to Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And tonight we're talking about failure. Yes, failure is something that every single human being will go through at some point in their life. Um, there's, It would be impossible for you to live a life without having some sort of failure involved. And I have a little quote because I think this is... Uh, I think one of our problems with failure is how we look at it. And mm-hmm. this, I got a lot from this. It's from The Wisdom to Deal with Failure by a J. Hampton Keithley III, who has passed on. But he said, failure is one of those ugly realities of life. And I think that is what it is. People see it just totally negatively. Right. And I think that colors everything. So then we kind of... When we fail, we take it personally like it's a, like we're a failure when maybe, in fact, it's just the situation. And I, th- I think maybe we need to change our mind about what failure is. Yeah. John Maxwell, in his book, Feeling Forward, one of his quotes is, In life, the question is not if you will have problems, but how you're going to deal with your problems. If the possibility of failure were erased, what would you attempt to achieve? Mm. I thought that was an interesting concept. Hmm. If there was no risk of failure, would anything be an achievement? Well, that's true. That's true. Would you gain anything if there was no risk of failure? I don't know. That is an interesting question. There would that's be an no... interesting thought, isn't it? It is. I, I like this part, This verse in Second Corinthians 4, 9. Paul writes, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that. And uh, I'm going to read a couple quotes from this uh Mr. Keithley, he says, a mature Christian is one who has grasped the truth that his or her failure is not the end of an effective life with and for the Lord. Even after reaching a certain degree of spiritual maturity, Christians will still sin and fail sometimes, and sometimes seriously so. And the problem is with how we look at failure, like it is the worst thing that can happen to us. And it's not. Sometimes it's the very best thing that can happen to us. And we see... Um, failure in the Old Testament, we see it often. Mm-hmm. Um, we have several uh, examples as we go through the Old Testament. You can look at Abraham and trying to hide his wife. Yeah. That was a failure of, of trusting God. And he did it twice. Yeah. Um, you can see uh, Moses with the curse that kept him out of going into the promised land. Mm-hmm. God told him to do it one way, and he did it another way out of anger. Um, oh, can, wait on mm-hmm. that, because this is just... Okay. Uh, the same man says, results in themselves are not, a, are not a proof that God is pleased. So I bring that up, because Moses was successful in getting the water for the people. Right. But God didn't approve of what he did, because he the disobeyed. The way he did it, yeah. right. Yep, God knew they needed the water, so they got the water. Um, David is one of the real examples of mm-hmm. someone who had, seemed like he had everything going for him and was doing everything right and then he fell with Bathsheba but he recovered he came back all right. of these characters carried on afterwards you know that Bathsheba situation mm-hmm. he slept with her she got pregnant and then he had Uriah killed because mm-hmm. he was trying to cover up the pregnancy right. but I, I've always thought because if, if you look at that even his servants said, he said, who is that woman? And his servants even said, isn't that your, 
Uriah the Hittite's wife, and they tried to stop him. And Uriah was one of his mighty men. It was someone he would have known. And and so along the way, before it happened, people tried to stop him from doing something he'd regret. But I've one day I thought about that. What if when Uriah came and he had this idea and he was hoping to get him to sleep with his wife so they could just hide the pregnancy. But what if instead he had confessed to Uriah what he did? And who knows what would have happened. Uriah right. wouldn't have died. But I, you know, I think... And the child died in the end, so... Um and yeah, it, what what would have, what the different what would the difference have been? Well, the, the, it's interesting. There's two I want to talk about to compare okay. and contrast: Peter versus Judas, because hmm. they both betrayed Jesus, mm-hmm. and they both felt bad about it. Because even Judas came, he went back to the Pharisees and said, "I betrayed a uh, righteous man," and he threw the money, and right. he, and they said, "What's that to us?" And he left, and then he hanged himself, and. He let failure take him over. What if What if he had gone back to Jesus? Jesus would have accepted him too. Because mm-hmm. Peter betrayed him three times. Mm-hmm. And he came back. And, and of course he was forgiven. Judas would have been forgiven too. If Judas would have... That would have been amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, that... I guess yeah. that's the difference. We The repentance, turning back to God is where he could take anything we do, the worst sin in the world, like David did adultery and murder. And God brought took him back because he repented. He turned back. That's the difference right. when it comes to the sin issue. Um, failure is not, I'm not saying failure is a sin. I mean, failure is failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes maybe it has well, something to do with Well, in these biblical examples, the failures that we mentioned... I guess they are sins. Um, they were but, sins against yeah. God because it was a it was a failure of faith. Right. This oh, I had Clovis G. Chapel says okay. failure is not the opposite of success; it's part of success. success. Oh, you have the same mm-hmm. one. Do you have the same person who said that? No, I didn't have a name for it. So oh, see, I just awesome. assume it was him because there was like four quotes, and anyway, okay. So maybe it wasn't Clovis, but it's a good one. And Jeremiah eight four, God tells Jeremiah, He says, "Say this to the people of Judah: This is what the Lord says. You know, if a man falls down, he gets up again. If a man goes the wrong way, he turns around and comes back. Those are things that we do naturally. If you fall, you're going to stand back up. Mm-hmm. But we need to take that and take that farther into into our lives too. And if you fail, get back up again." You know, Proverbs 24 says the righteous may fall seven times but still get up, but the wicked will stumble into trouble. So the concept of failing is not necessarily a negative. You know, I think sometimes um, we learn a lot more from failures than successes. By far. And I think also God can use failures. Like if I fail and it's witnessed by a lot of people or, mm-hmm. or whatever, I think God can use my failure in people's lives more than my success, too, sometimes. Right. Maybe not always. You know, it depends what it is. But uh, it obviously makes a person very human when people see their, them fail, and then they watch how they respond to that failure. Well, as, a, as an instructor at the academy, when I was teaching at the police academy, we were problem-based learning academy, and we would give them... Um, open-ended problems that didn't necessarily have the right answer. So mm-hmm. you couldn't find, oh, this is it. You had to design a way to, to okay. find that answer. And it was a, always a process. You had to go through a bunch of different things. 
and we would intentionally not give them all their resources. They had to go find the resources. They had to search for it. Mm. And they might go off on a bunny trail and go the wrong direction. And if they got really bad, we'd try and steer them back on. But they will uh, always tell you that they remembered the failures. Mm-hmm. They remember the right answer if they got the wrong answer better than they would have if they'd have gotten it easily. Mm-hmm. So anytime you do something like that, it pushes you forward. Right. It, it advances well, you. Well, if you, if you allow it. Yeah, another Maxwell quote is, when achievers fail, they see it as a momentary event, not a lifelong epidemic. Mm. Yeah. You know? And this is, it is not enough to do God's work. It must be done in His way and for His credit. So I... I'm thinking about sometimes we quit Christians. We just want to get the job done, and we do it in God's name. But and and maybe it is good work, but we don't do it God's way. So that He's not pleased. Then mm-hmm. you know we we get caught up in appearances well, and, and numbers. And there are and, times I think when God intentionally puts those barriers up, puts those failures up so that we can learn from them. Yeah. He challenges us. Psalm uh, 119.71 says, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I could learn your statutes. Yeah. Um, we know Paul had a had a thorn of the flesh. Whatever it was, he never goes into detail. He just says he has one, and I've asked God to take it away, and he hasn't. Mm-hmm. That may have caused Paul to, maybe it was something he... he had more compassion because of it. Maybe he had more time. He stopped working and, and would write more. Whatever mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. God God allowed it to happen for a reason. Well, a perfect example with Paul was that he was put in prison, and it was in prison where he wrote a few letters, and mm-hmm. those have encouraged Christians for right. years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And he might not have had the time to write those, you know, if he hadn't been in prison. But I have five... Things I call Jane's principles about failure. Oh, okay. Jane's principles again. Go and, for it. And now it doesn't mean that like these are unique to me, but it's something I decided to jot down. Like if I was going to tell someone about failure, how to approach it, what would I say? So here's what I wrote today. If number one, if you choose to do it, whatever it is, because we're supposed to do all things for the glory of God. You know, whatever your job is. However you live your life, all things we're supposed to do for the glory of God. Like pots and pans, anything. Like Brother Lawrence was the dishwasher, so he washed dishes for Jesus. So it doesn't matter. So if you choose to do it God's way, no matter what, you will please God. And that should be one of our desires. So no matter what the outcome is, if you're doing it God's way, because God doesn't guarantee success. No. The, the way we see success. It might be success in God's eyes if we're doing it God's way, and we don't know really what his, the well, end and, result's going to be. And it's very possible that what we see as success is not um, the outcome that God wanted. Right. Maybe right. what we see as a failure was really successful. Right. There are times when you may witness to someone or talk to someone about about the Lord and and try and explain yourself to them, and they do, you, you feel like you got tongue-tied and you didn't quite get it. You know, I've I've had those times when 15 minutes later after I've walked away and I'm in another place, I go, oh, man, this is what I should have said, and yeah. that's what I should have said. You know, you 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 have that 20-20 hindsight and realize, well, I should have said this or should have said that. Well, two things can happen. Number one, next time you will say that because mm-hmm. you fail and you'll, and you'll get it better. And the other thing is 
maybe planting that seed in that humble way was what God wanted. Yeah. He didn't need you to be perfectly spoken. He needed you to be faithful in in the process. So um, I have a story. Psalm thirty-seven, twenty-three, mm-hmm. and twenty-four. I, I want to. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I want to just put that in there. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. God holds you up. Yes, you will fall. We all stumble. We will all have issues. We will all have times when when we are not who we want to be. However, mm-hmm. God doesn't abandon you and leave you there. He's there to pick you back up again. All you got to do is reach up and grab a hold of his hand, so... I like that one. Yeah, I do too. Upholds him with his hand. Mm-hmm. He's always there. Yeah. Here's my here's my story. This was happened in college, and uh, I and you've heard this story, but of course mm-hmm. not everybody who's listening has heard this story. But it just it speaks to me still. I uh, I was asked to play the piano at this wedding. I I played piano at church, and you know, just I'm just. Just a typical church pianist, not anything great, but I do okay. I do what I need to do. Anyway, so I was asked to to play for this wedding for these people, and I don't. They were probably college age too, and and I went to their wedding, and oh, I went to the rehearsal dinner. I felt totally awkward the whole time. I just and I played. They paid me like seventy five dollars, which was a lot of money for me then, and and would still be a nice chunk of change, you know. So anyway. I didn't think anything of it. I, I mean, I, I, I thought I did adequately, but then, you know, then I let it go for years. I never even thought about that wedding, and I can't even tell you what their names are. I, I didn't know anything. And then out of the blue, after, and this was after our second child, so this was like in 97. Now, I graduated from college in 1990, so that happened probably in... 90 or 89 or something like that so it had been a while and this other so you know mm-hmm. 10 years nine years well i don't even know how this person found i think it was my old pastor from college he called me and says they have been looking for you they they want to tell you something they god used you amazingly or something at their wedding i don't remember what he said but it was just like in god somehow used my playing to make such a huge impression on them. And I can't even tell you what, I can't remember what he said, but somehow I got the idea that somehow God used me. I had no idea. I didn't feel like I was being used. I didn't, to this day, I don't feel like I was being used. I didn't feel spiritual whatsoever. But somehow it made such a big impression. And it wasn't me, because I felt so awkward. But right. So I guess that was a that was a success in God's eyes. But if you'd asked me that day, was that a success? You playing? And I would have said, "Well, I got seventy five bucks, you know." Right. You know. So go on with your list. Okay. Your so list. we. This is my second one. Now this one sounds very cliche, but it is cliche. But it's so true. And again, I didn't make this up. Life is not a destination; it is a journey. For when we get to a certain place in our life, like something we're dreaming about, life doesn't end there. I mean, we have to continue on. So I, I think we need to focus on our journey, and that will include successes and failures and boring times and hectic times, but it's all that journey to heaven. We're, we're just on our way, and we really need to focus on day-to-day living just in the moment. Number three is don't put expectations on results. Take them in stride. All right, we do our best, 
And I'm not saying be sluggish. You prepare, do what you have to do to do your very best for whatever it is. Do it God's way. But don't put expectations on what's going to happen. Because like you just said, maybe God is going to use a big fail. You know, and that's what he wants to happen because that's what will reach someone's heart. And that will cause you to do the one thing that Jesus says we are not to worry about tomorrow. Uh, but anxiety and the fear of failure is such an overwhelming cripples people. Um, emotion. And you can have all sorts of anxiety over something and then be great at it later on. Or you can have yeah. all sorts of anxiety and fail at it. But guess what? The anxiety is there in both cases. Why don't you not have any anxiety and succeed or fail? You can give the anxiety up and still succeed or fail. So the concept of just hanging on to that and being so afraid to, to step out in faith. You know, courage and bravery, uh, John Wayne said, uh, courage is being scared to death and saddling up and doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing. But I think the other thing as a Christian, I think especially, our courage comes from God. Our, our strength comes from Him. It's not about us. And when it's not about you... Yeah. You can't fail because it's God. Mm-hmm. And you just let God use you. and You let God speak. Trust me, when I first started preaching, I That's... was petrified. Yeah. And my sermons were not very good to start with. Just the be- first one wasn't good. Because I was afraid of what I was supposed to say, how I was supposed to say it. And what I tried to do initially was uh, kind of mimic a pastor that we have had had, had in the past um, and I set my sermon up the way he set his sermons up. Mm-hmm. And that's not me. You only did and that one time. And it wasn't until after I got comfortable with it that I started to realize that this isn't about me. This mm-hmm. is about God. And Jane will tell you, if I have um, a couple of handwritten notes or a couple of pages of handwritten notes in a small notebook, that's my entire sermon. And yet I'll go long enough they shorten the last song sometimes, but just based on that, because I know that I will get bullet points of things that I want to touch on. And then I just let it go, and God gives me the words from there, and God gives me the things to say. It's Him speaking, not me, so I don't have to worry about it. I know God's going to fill it in. Mm-hmm. Now, every Sunday I'll ask Jane, well, how was the sermon? She's always been my best critic because she's honest with me. And every Sunday I'll ask her that. And it's 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 one of those things what I, I do want to hear, you know, what she heard me say. Because she'll be honest with it. And if someone else heard it and was offended or didn't understand it, then they may not ask me. But that release makes it so comfortable for me to preach. Mm-hmm. It's the same as when I'm teaching. I'm not mm-hmm. afraid to make a mistake when I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. I think it's good to make a mistake when you're teaching. Mm-hmm. When I'm teaching, like my seventh graders in English, there are times when I, I will intentionally misspell a word so they catch to it? see if they catch it. And they'll catch it and they'll, they'll make fun of me. And I say, oh, well, I don't know. I was going so fast I just didn't, I didn't get that one right or whatever. And I'll go back. Um, but I think that's a good thing. Realize that, yes, there's an eraser. Mm-hmm. Erase it, rewrite it, move forward. You know, I that, think that's a good thing, and it's something that we don't teach children enough, I don't think. Mm-hmm. That failure is a good thing if it, if it teaches you, if you yeah. learn from it. 
at um, our last church, I played piano too, and uh, there was a couple young ladies who sometimes would take over for me if I wasn't there or something. And and because I played all the time, the hymns are pretty familiar, so they're not difficult for me anymore. But if you don't play hymns regularly, you really do need to practice. Mm -hmm. And if you have to put a lot of practice into something, you can get nervous. And so I, I didn't purposely mess up, but I sometimes, you know, when they were there, like if I flubbed up on my notes or whatever, I didn't care because I knew, hey, they'll hear that. Oh, Jane makes mistakes too, you know, and I don't know. I think it makes people sometimes comfortable you know they see see that you're just human that you make mistakes and it's no big deal you just you just go on and I guess also too because I'm sorry I don't know why I'm talking about piano so much I'm just a typical piano player but um now because I know the hymns so well if I do mess up which sometimes I still do I mean I'm just that's me it's no big deal just go on I don't let it catch me but I think if a person is nervous with something and it's something new and they think it's based on their their performance, we do get really nervous that way. Just like you talked about when you first started preaching. And it's... I want to I wanna read you a, a short list of, of failures from a person. You tell me if you know who this is. Failed in business. Mm -hmm. And then five years later suffered a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. Ran for president, 20 years later, failed. Um, but he came and was eventually a president. Who was that? Lincoln. Lincoln. And his quote is, My great concern is not whether you have failed, but whether you are content with your failure. Mm -hmm. Don't don't stop. So you failed. Do you so got that what? information about Thomas Edison? Uh, I don't have Thomas Edison, but I do have another one. Okay, go ahead. Okay, now this guy... Um, could not speak fluently until he was nine years old. Okay. He was rebellious and was kicked out of school and was refused, refused admittance to college. Einstein. Albert Einstein. And his quote is, success is failure in progress. Mm. Here's success what, is failure in progress. Yeah, this was... I like that. I. Uh, oh, Edison was the 10,000? Well, that's not the part I have. Okay. I read about Edison. It was in the same article, the... Wisdom to deal with failure. Uh, at age 67, he lost absolutely everything. He had a laboratory or whatever, caught fire, and everything, all of his experiments, everything went up, and it was like $2 million loss, and he, mm -hmm. it was only covered like for 280000 or, or something like that. Maybe those are, you know, in today's standards. I don't know, but he didn't even have enough insurance to cover what he lost. And he, uh, he said his, his wife went to look for him or maybe it was his son and they were worried about him, you know, because this was his work and he lost everything and he wouldn't be able to replace everything. Of course, he said, while he's standing there watching everything burn, he said, there is great value in disaster. All our mistakes are burned up. Thank God we can start anew. And then three weeks later, he he brought up the phonograph. I got a couple of quotes from Edison here, okay, which I, I really like. Um, as an inventor, this one really fits for him, too. He says, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that don't work. Hmm. 10,001 did. Mm -hmm. 
Many of life's failures are people who do not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that is, that is, you know, that that is first, first the fear of failure, and the second one is letting it overcome you and, and not letting it go. You know, not yeah. not falling down, think you have falling to, down, and not getting back up. Think if there'd be like that dog with a bone, you just won't give it up. Right, and there I have a. Um, from Philippians 3, 13 and 14. I used this in my sermon last Sunday, actually. Oh, that's what I was just going to share. Go ahead. Okay. That goes with my fourth point, but you go ahead. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to obtain this. Instead, I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. With this goal in mind, I strive towards the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forget what's behind and think about where you're going. So, this is my fourth point about Jane's principles about failure. My fourth point is don't find identity in results, good or bad. So I might have had this great success, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. God's That verse you just read, forget about it. That doesn't define you, good or bad. You need to continue on. You know, we can't just, what do they call, say that, rest on their laurels. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Uh, laurels were awards given to the, Romans. Oh, the the, the no, it was an hat. award. Oh, a okay, laurel okay. is an award. Okay. It's an award given to uh, conquering generals or or politicians, and the concept of resting on your laurels was uh, the Roman world was so cutthroat that yeah, you might have one success, but people forget quickly. Yeah, and well, then you fail. Yes. So well, and also I'm thinking be constantly the, striving. Thinking of like a. Uh, the hotshot quarterback from the high school team, and he never moves on. I mm-hmm. mean, the first couple times he comes back is pretty cool if he's still 18, you know, but if he still is standing around 20 years later talking about that great game, it's really sad. And so we need to just let go all of we've done in the past, good or bad, and start a new day because God has more things for us to do, and our life is not done yet. I mean, oh, we were just hearing this on Sunday. Remember that the preacher from Aberdeen was talking about how Caleb was 85 years old when he took over, uh, conquered his part of the promised land, 85. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, Moses didn't start leading those people to, he was 80 before that for 40 years, he was a shepherd hiding out because he had murdered somebody. You know, I, yeah, um, it, it's, it's interesting to see the success stories. But you have to understand that in the process of being successful, they were, they had their failures too. Mm-hmm. We we look up to people as our heroes or our icons, whether it's biblical or whether it's worldly, and we see them for being successful without thinking about that. Uh, Michael Jordan, uh, this was a quote that actually was used in a Nike commercial of all things. He says, "I've missed more than nine thousand shots in my career." I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the winning shot, and I missed. Mm. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. Mm. He was cut from his high school basketball team. That's funny. Probably the greatest NBA player of all time, and he knows the number of times he failed. Mm -hmm. He can tell you, 26 times I failed for the winning shot. He remembers those failures, and that motivated him to get better right. instead of quit. Now, I want to I want to kind of flip this around because we okay. were talking about failure and success. Right. But I, 
and all that is good of what we talked about, but we always have to bring back the idea of failure and success from God's point of view. Right. Because someone might live an entirely very quiet life, their whole, for 90 years, 80 years, whatever, maybe only 40 years. And in the world's eyes, it doesn't look like they accomplished anything. But if they lived for Jesus those years, they accomplished more than this world can even imagine. Well, and that's that. I guess that that brings us kind of full circle now that um, as we get closer to the end here, I want to want to bring that up. Um, I brought that quote from John Maxwell up where he said he talked about. Um, success and failure and the fact that you have to fail to succeed or else mm-hmm. if there was no risk of failure what would what would the reward be what reward would it be if you didn't if it didn't if it wouldn't couldn't possibly go wrong like is that an achievement participation awards yeah like a participation award well god doesn't give those and life doesn't give those so if we look at our christian walk and we look at the way that we are trying to live our lives what is our definition of success and what is our definition of failure from a christian standpoint in from a life standpoint what is our definition of succeeding in our christian walk and what is our definition of failing in our christian walk i think we need to identify that because there there will be times when you will be a miserable failure at something mm-hmm. and you need to have already thought out how you're going to deal with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't run into the wall and say, oh, how do I get around a wall? Mm-hmm. You have to say, okay, I ran into the wall. Now I know I need to go left or right, get around it, find a door. You can't just stand there and stare at a wall and say, well, I guess there's a wall in front of me. I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. What? What do you, if you think about it ahead of time, it's easier to deal with it. It's easier to recognize when there is a, a, a stumble or a, a struggle, struggle or a fall. So, what do we do? Well, John, First uh, John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." Mm-hmm. You know, and Romans says, "All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." Right. So everybody is going to have failures. We are not. Um, I hate to disillusion anybody, but um, when you're baptized, when you accept the Lord, um, when you uh, first come to your faith, it is not followed by a guaranteed rose garden and everything is perfect afterwards. There is a process called sanctification where we are growing. And growth is painful. Mm-hmm. Growth is painful. Now, growing pains are something we're going to have. And when you stop growing, you stop living. Think about a plant. And think about the effort it takes for a plant to push out a new branch, to push out new leaves on that branch, and then to have the leaves fall off, winter come, and then to start all over and have to push them out again. The effort that's involved is worth um, doing on its own for its own sake. Mm -hmm. And that's something I think God wants us to understand about this life, is we, we are to live for His glory, not for His glory on our tombstone, but for His glory every day. Mm-hmm. So our goal should be to live for living, to live for Jesus today. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. 
as that happens, we'll get better at it. And yes, you will stumble. And yes, you will fall. And yes, there will be times when you think you're just a terrible failure and you're miserable at this. It'll happen. But God says, I'm there to pick you up. Let's get up and do it again. Come on. Tomorrow's a new day. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow the sun's going to go up. We're going to start all over. We're going to do it again. And we will pick pick ourselves up and do it again. And that is, I think, our Christian walk is meant to be, we're here for the glorification of God. That's why we're on this earth. And I think too many Christians try and think about the finish line and the awards and all those things. And it's wonderful. The concept of standing in front of Jesus and having him saying, well done, is an awesome thing. But I think on a daily basis, if we live for the glory of God, that's a small success along the way. And I think that's more important. Mm-hmm. I have my fifth point. Okay. Better uh, get it done because we're already over half hour. Oh, okay. Here it is. The fifth one. If we just decide to do things God's way and leave the results to Him, we'll be right where we need to be. We'll be right there. And I do want to say, I want to read this last from Hebrews 11, 37 through 40. Okay. It says, and it's talking about believers from the past. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They mm. were tempted. They were yep. put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground, and all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. But I love that part. Men or people of whom the world was not worthy. Anyway. And that's the kind of success we need to have. And I got one more for you. Okay, go ahead. This is one to hang on to all the time. This mm-hmm. is one of those things that I think, if you think of your life as a process, mm-hmm. it's a learning process. Every day you do something, you do more, you do more. You know, the the Teddy Roosevelt quote, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The second best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Don't be so afraid of failure that you, you don't do anything at all. But always remember that you are never alone. Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord is the one who is going ahead of you. He will be with you. He won't abandon you or leave you. So don't be afraid or terrified. Don't be afraid. Isaiah 41.10 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my hand, with my righteous right hand. If you believe, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian, know that God has got you in His hand. And if you fall, that's okay. Mm-hmm. If you're a parent, you've seen that. You've seen the little one that's waddling around and boom, falls down. That's why God gave us all the cushion on the back end, I guess, because we fall a lot when we're little. They learn very quickly that it's okay to fall down because you just get back up. Mm-hmm. Now, when a, when a child is first starting, when they fall, it scares them a little bit and they look at their parents. And most parents will not go over and rushing up to them because they sat down hard on their butt. They'll encourage them to keep going. And I see that as God. Right. He knows we're going to stumble. He knows we're going to fall. But that's part of the process of walking. Mm -hmm. That's part of the process of getting to where we're supposed to be. 
So go through that process and know that God is with you. He's always there. He will let you He will let you fall if you need to fall and He will help you back up afterwards. It's just this is the process of our life. This is our daily life. And we will have failures, but those failures are in the progress of becoming successful and being who God wants us to be. Good word. Hey, thanks for listening. Come back next week. Hey, and share it with your friends. Yeah. They might like it. And contact us if you want to. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And one more thing. If there's something you want us to talk about, let us know. Sure. Okay. God bless. Bye.